Hello and welcome to Brands Over Brews, your weekly chat with marketing and business leaders who are shaping the future of the industry. I'm your host, Pat Cooper. Each episode, we'll explore the strategies, insights, and personal stories of our guests. Let's get started. On today's episode, we have Alan Ibrahim, Assistant to Programs and Finance at MassDot and MBTA, as well as the host of AMA Boston's podcast, Talking Marketing. Alan, it is great to have you here. Pat, it's a pleasure. It feels like, you know, all of the different parts of my life are finally intersecting. I honestly, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So thank you. Yes, we have a lot of AMA Boston history, so we're finally back. So to kick off the episode today, uh, what is your go-to brew? Coffee, tea, or something a little bit stronger? Amazing question. I've always been a coffee person. During the pandemic, like many other people, I got way into brewing coffee. And then I started developing like heart palpitation issues from too much caffeine, believe it or not. So uh, nowadays, I use a traditional just coffee maker at home, and I do a half decaf blend. So I'm coffee all the way. I do appreciate tea at night, especially. But I just it doesn't feel right. Even if I'm drinking less caffeine, I need some sort of coffee in the morning to, to kickstart. Yeah, I think that makes sense. We we're going over my coffee order before we started the episode today. And mine is just full of sugar, as we have stated. <laughs> so mine is barely coffee at this point. But I'm, I'm very much a, a coffee brew guy. I got started the same way beginning of the pandemic. I was like, all right, if I need to be logging all these late hours and dealing with the the ruckus that's going on. I need I need to pound a few coffees a day just to keep all the systems in check. Of course. Are you, so you like a sweet coffee. I always wonder then, like, when did you start drinking coffee? How old were you when you started drinking coffee? My wife got me introduced to coffee um, because I saw her drinking it and it smelled really good. I actually used to work at Dunkin's for a while. Um, oh. But that's a whole other story. But she said to get introduced to coffee, you should just pour sugar into it. So you don't really taste the bitterness, <laughs> but I haven't really changed. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm addicted to sugar. Maybe that's the, the real addiction there. Probably. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, Alan, today I want to talk about uh, at least the first topic with your career transition from CVS pharmacy technician to working as assistant to programs and finance for the MBTA. Now, that's a huge career transition. Now, we've been talking about the pandemic. Did that start around that time or, or did that happen before? Yeah, so my my path is a little weird, um, but it's it's more common than you'd think to make a career transition like this, mm -hmm. at least from people I know who went to college with me. So I grew up in a Middle Eastern family that always pushed me to get into you know medicine or engineering or law. And initially, I because I'm a people person, they, you know, nudged me towards medicine and like dentistry specifically. So I went to college for to study like pre-dental, pre-med um, mm -hmm. in, in Boston. And I liked it a decent amount. I love science. I love learning about how things work. Um, but I struggled academically. And I did a post-pack at a different university in 2017, 18. In that time, I started working at CVS just because it was vaguely medically related. I learned a ton about medicine and how prescriptions work. And that's really useful as someone who has aging parents and cares about the healthcare industry. Um, and I was there for three years, I believe. Yeah, 2016 to 2019. And so my post-pack didn't work out the way I wanted to. And I was unemployed for a while. I started as a temp right, literally right before the pandemic. I think like December 2019 was my first month of working here um, in this department at the, the security emergency management for DOT and the MBTA. And I stuck around for a while and then COVID happened and 
as a contractor, you still have to go into an office so they know that you're working. You can't really work remotely as certain types of contractors. And so I was just in this office alone for like hours and hours on end, day by day, with not a lot to do because no one was coming in. And, you know, I picked up a GRE study book and I was like, hey, what if I tried going to grad school? You know, I've been podcasting since 2015 and I really want to learn how to market myself. So I started learning business, finance and marketing skills from that. Got the MBA and then my job said, well, we probably have a better use for you. And I became full time assistant to programs in finance because of that experience during the pandemic. So, yes, to answer your question, all the free time I had during COVID is literally the reason that I'm here. Yes, the same thing happened to me. I'm really glad you said that being a temp kind of changed your career because the same thing happened to me. I was working as a temp for MIT, working their graduation ceremony like back in 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. I remember super early hours, like falling asleep on the MBTA bus coming home from like hanging out at the ceremony all day. But it's really cool because working as a temp, you get like an inside look of all these different companies and all the different things you can possibly do with like a white collar career. And I think it's a good entry point. Um, It's really, really interesting. And it just gives you kind of an open book into what you could possibly do without having to stay somewhere for too, too long. Yeah, especially after a period of unemployment, I always recommend like younger folks, especially consider temp work because, you know, we work, we focus so much in college on like getting straight into your career as soon as possible. It's like, well, Temp work is this sort of ideal of like, you can just try something and see if you like it and you are not obligated to stay there at all, Mm -hmm. be there for three, six months and then just dip. Like that's beautiful in my opinion. And it was weird. It was strange. It was, but it was a pretty relatively easy job and I learned a ton and it enabled me to, to get into where I am now. So I'm really like glad that I did it. Yeah, that that's a great story. And same with freelancing too. I think freelancing has picked up quite a bit more, I feel like freelance and temp kind of go hand in hand, but yeah, it's, I think it's always encouraged for college students to freelance a bit while they're studying and while they're applying what they've learned in college afterwards to figure out where they fit into the market, what they really want to do, what they're interested by. Because if you're just slogging around doing a job you don't want to do, there's really no point. Um, you know, explore your options, try out different freelance careers, trades, and and find what works. And it seems like it's really worked out well for you. I think so. You know, I, I still dream of, of pivoting eventually into a more traditional marketing role because mm-hmm. that's actually how I got involved with AMA. Um, not to do your pivot for you, Pat, but uh, <laughs> during that pandemic period where I was like getting ready for grad school, um, one of my professors actually uh, put me in touch with current president of AMA Boston, Bob Cargill. Um, and I told him we had this, I remember this so vividly, this like long conversation while I was walking around the Boston Public Garden. And he was like, what do you want to do with us? Like, we can find something for you to do. Mm-hmm. And you know how Bob is. He's a very charismatic yes. person. <laughs> it's very easy to be kind of like pulled into his world. And I was like, well, I love podcasting. And he's like, all right, great. We have a guy who does that. His name is Pat. And we have Chris <laughs> and Pat and we have Megan. And I was like, uh, OK. And he put me in touch with you guys and. You know, the ball kept rolling, people came and went, and then I just kind of found myself doing it myself, which is exactly what I wanted to do from the start. So it was, my story really is one of just persistence and like survival. Yes, I feel like that's every marketer. And I had a similar story again to you. Like I was, I won't go too into the weeds, but I was living in LA. I was studying at SNHU and the career advisor for the marketing program was like, 
get into AMA. AMA is where you start. Like that's truly where you get your your feet wet and where you break into the marketing career. And I mm -hmm. got in touch with Bob. I had a great uh, brunch with Megan McGrath to talk about all the different opportunities and openings. And it really is like whatever you want to do. Like it's truly like mm -hmm. you want to do content, do content. You want to do podcast, do podcast. You want to you know, drive revenue for the chapter and uh, work in sponsorship, do that. Like truly, it's kind of an, a big Petri dish of however you want to build your career, you can really tackle anything that you want to do. And it's just such a great opportunity. Yeah, I don't mean for this to sound like an ad for it, but it is the way that we met. <laughs> Sponsored <laughs> and it is AMA like Boston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a little playground. It's like we we're just talking about with freelancing or with uh with temp work where you come in and they ask you and not they don't tell you what to do. They say, What do you want to do? And I try to emphasize that now as that I've become co-VP of content mm -hmm. uh, as of last or two February ago, I believe. Uh when I get new volunteers, I don't tell them like, hey, I need you to edit stuff for me. I'm like, what do you like to do? Like, what are you going to college for? Because we get a lot of college kids and they're like, oh, I'm into fashion and I'm into design. And I'm like, OK, can I, can I get you to post things like short term video? Because even though it may not seem relevant to what you're doing, it, the basic skills are going to transfer over. And I want you to come out of this having learned something. So that's always been like the goal with AMA is to enable people to do the other stuff that they want to do. Yes, totally. Especially new college students that don't really know what they want to do. It's an introduction into the marketing field. And it's, uh, it's truly a great opportunity. And there's not just, you know, AMA, there's the Advertising Federation, there's the Public Relations Association. So there's a lot of groups out there, no matter what marketing discipline you're learning, there isn't just AMA, there's so many organizations out there. It's all about getting the experience, um, you know, tackling some projects, putting those under your belt, putting them into a portfolio, and leveraging that for your career. So while we're still talking about AMA, um, Alan, you are the co-VP and you are currently running the AMA Boston podcast, Talking Marketing. So that was previously run by Chris Goodnow, previously hosted by Megan McGrath, who really, you know, kicked off the podcast. So how has that been taking up that, that project? Because I don't think a lot of other American Marketing Association chapters have a podcast. And do you have any really cool stories about the people you've interviewed? Gosh, yeah. So... It was like I mentioned before, it was a weird just like falling into the role thing at first. I said, I know how to do this, but you guys seem to be in control of it. So I'm not going to push too hard. I'll do your email outreach. I'll do, you know, a little editing touch ups if you guys want that. I was letting myself be sort of mercenary. And when I found myself as the only person working on it, I was like, OK, this is an opportunity to to rebrand, to reimagine what what talking marketing is about. Um, so my big pivot was just like who is our audience, right? It's not only college students, it's people who are tired of jargon because it's really easy when you start getting to the world of marketing podcasts to, to interview people who are all jargon all the time, who are just like experts in a hyper-specific field and maybe they, they don't talk like quote-unquote regular people anymore because that's just, they're very passionate and I love that. And so now when I recruit guests, I'm like, hey, the goal of this is going to be that, you know, a 17 year old could hear this and understand it and be interested mm -hmm. in what you do and how you do it. And people have really uh, like been a fan of that. People have really dug that style. So I've stuck with it for the past like year and change. And I've had a lot of guests who, you know, I'm getting insight out of them that I don't think they're giving in other podcasts, which I think is the ultimate value of the show. Right. Like I've had, CMOs come on and tell us that the best advice that they've ever had 
or that they've ever wanted to give to somebody is to like let yourself take a nap and cry for an hour in the middle of a work day. <laughs> yeah. Because like I I try to be very open and honest with people. I, I, I even amongst my friends tend to be the oversharer. And so people feel that about me. They feel like they can just tell me stuff like that. And, you know, there's so much about the marketing world that we don't talk about, that we don't share as advice specifically, like being able to cry, like being able to be burnt out and tired and like talking about work-life balance. And I think every episode of Talking Marketing, no matter how out there or unique the guest is, they, they have some sort of human element that I try to pull out uh, in, in interviewing them. I love that. I think that's that's such a great takeaway from podcasting in general. It's about having interesting conversations. Everyone has a story to tell. And this is a lot that goes into personal branding too. Like, even if you just work a nine to five, you've so many stories about your career, what you do during your nine to five that you can easily share over a pretty easily consumable medium like audio. Um, it's as easy as hopping on a Zoom call or a Hangouts call you know, tossing a mic on and just talking and oversharing like uh, we mm -hmm. both typically tend to do, um, which is another similarity between us. But it, it is a really, really fun medium, though, just because there's so much you can unpack. And like you mentioned, you never know who the listener is going to be. It could be a 17 year old. Uh, it can be a senior college student. It can be a company exec. It can take you from expanding your agency or getting more brand awareness or it can take you to find your next career. That's the whole thing about building a brand. It can really take you places. Yeah, and letting yourself be taken in those places. I think that's the other message I have. You make a path for yourself and you say, this is like generally where I want to go. But let yourself be, be twisted and turned a little bit, you know? If you told me eight or nine years ago that I would have been doing marketing podcasts for AMA and, and like studying to become a marketer, I would not have believed you at all because that just seemed so out there. But like I said earlier, I know now a lot of people who are in my pre-med program who literally pivoted to marketing. It's like surprisingly common to pivot to marketing. I'm curious, Pat, if you have any insight on like why that is, if it's what's the deal with that? Pivoting to marketing, I think because the barrier to entry is very low, but it's not an easy career. <laughs> like I yeah. have it like it's challenging. It's not like you just pick up your phone and you can just, you know, find a job or have instant success. There's a lot that builds onto it, but I think out of the different business disciplines that you can study, marketing is the most creative. And I tend to be more of a creative person. I like building things. I like doing things, you know, building in public and and experimenting. So marketing really aligns with what I like doing, but there's also so many different facets of marketing. There's content marketing, email marketing, social media, audio marketing, pay-per-click advertise subscription. Like there's just like, there's so many different things that you can do. So it's not like you're limited to, you can do X, Y, or C, you know, you can, you can do really anything you want with a marketing career. And even if you don't want to work in marketing, when you've stacked up that knowledge, that really does apply to other careers and other business or non-business disciplines that um, you may want to expand your career into. Yeah, and I think maybe it's the pandemic, maybe it's just the way people are right now, but I'm noticing that a lot of people were just not taught these skills about personal branding and marketing in school. Like, I don't know anybody who was, you know, pre-college. And so my quick story about that is that um, I was taking an Uber on the way to speak about my story, actually, at one of President Bob Cargill's, like, classes at Suffolk University. 
And in the Uber, both my driver and the other passenger had interest in like personal branding and marketing, just like completely out of nowhere. The girl to my right is an undergraduate student who, you know, is doing other stuff, but she has this fashion and food blog that she really wants to take off and she doesn't know how to do it. And the driver himself is a rapper and a producer who wants to start a business, but doesn't know the basics of, of branding himself or marketing. And I was like, it's everywhere. Like I literally can't escape it, you know? And yeah, I think that maybe there's something to be said about how like we should teach some people what the basics of personal branding are at a younger age, because a lot of people come out of their jobs and say, okay, I know I have skills. I just don't know how to show them to people and I don't know how to leverage them. And that at its core, I think is what, a lot of people need marketing for. I think so too. I wasn't taught, I mean, I did study marketing in SNHU and it's an amazing program and I highly recommend it. This is not sponsored by SNHU, but it is a great program. But you were taught more strategy and more like top line insights into marketing versus like, here's what you do with Google ads. Here's Microsoft ads. Here's, you know, different CRMs and how to use them. There's that sort of experience that you just don't get in a college setting. And that's another reason why I highly recommend freelancing and doing an internship uh, mm -hmm. and doing uh, temp work because you get that sort of hands-on experience partnered with your education within like a college program. Yeah, it's, it's evolving a lot. I actually had a guest on a while ago who was speaking out against studying marketing in college. And I thought it was so interesting. I like, cause I'm I'm, I was in, in my MBA program at the time. So I'm like, uh, you know, looking to my side, like this is awkward. And his reasoning was basically that a lot of these are skills hard or soft that you can learn through. Yeah. Internships or volunteering. Yes. You don't have to go to school for them. So I think that there's, that's something that's going to change a lot is the actual value of the degree as opposed to just the skills you can learn from it. I think so too. And I think that, there's a lot of things you can do in school while you're studying marketing. Like you can literally build a company, build a brand right. while you right. are studying. And I've seen tons of people do that. And I did that a lot when I was at SNHU. I did a lot of freelance work that built up those skills that, you know, you need to launch a career with, which I highly recommend, you know, a lot of college students doing. Um, I recently talked to president of AMA Boston, Bob Cargill's uh, students about that, about freelancing, about building up your brand, building up those necessary soft and hard skills. So when you do, you know, go apply for that first job or that first internship, you can really wow those recruiters. And even no matter where you start in marketing, maybe you're starting a marketing career, like 40 years old, <laughs> like that's totally yeah. feasible too. Like those skills are still just as important to build up. Yeah. And I think too, like my pushback to the, like, is the degree even worth it is if you are someone, regardless of your age or, or talent, uh, who just has no connections and no experience and doesn't know people about who do this stuff. That is where maybe the degree can be useful for you because it puts you in a room with other people doing the same thing. And just yes. that simple element of like, you're going to do group projects with people who want to work in the same field as you do is enough of a kickstart for most people to get into it. It's not mm -hmm. the value of what you learn in the textbook. It's the work that you do in the course. I completely agree. And sure, you can get different certifications, you know, online and you can do all this work online and you don't need to go to a campus. But the relationships you build, the connections you build with professors and other college students and like just building that network for yourself just to get the ground running is invaluable. So I, I'm definitely an advocator of, 
you know, while you can do everything, you know, online and away from the campus, like you, sh- you should still look for some sort of education. It doesn't have to be college. Maybe it's a boot camp. Maybe it's, yeah. um, you know, some sort of short term certificate program at a university. Like it doesn't have to be a full fledged bachelor's degree. Not even a ton of employers are necessarily looking for that. So it opens up the ground a lot more for people that don't love college or they don't love the whole in-person education uh, standpoint, but um, it is still worth uh, taking a look into. Yeah. I'd bet you the only people who are like employees who are saying, we need you to have, you know, an MBA or a degree are the ones who are already going to hire you and needed, they need a justification to pay you a little bit more because you, you know, you already had the in. And now right, just... right. It's this little checkbox I need to check off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. for sure. I'm sure you can even say, oh, yeah, I went to this place. I'm, okay, all right, we'll check that off. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> Congratulations. And now the, the next topic um, that we want to talk about today is that you wanted to flip the script a little bit, right? I did. I wanted to ask you this. Can you actually remind me of the question? Because I wrote it last <laughs> night. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yeah, I was looking at it this morning. So... We obviously both used to live in Boston. Um, yep. I used to live in Arlington, but I made the big move to Tampa, Florida. So you were wondering why I changed my mind. <laughs> why I moved yeah, from what happened? blizzardy New England uh, to hurricane Florida. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just, I, I'm sure you're going to get into like the value. Maybe you have family over there, maybe the property, whatever. And I, I want to hear that. But like, I'm somebody who's been thinking a lot about moving lately. You know, I'm about to be 30 very soon. And so now I'm like in that period of my life where I'm like, do I make a huge change? Is that a good idea? Do I make a whole new friend group? I'm just like kind of scared of doing that. So I'm just Mm -hmm. curious what prompted you to do it. So definitely two parts. One part went back to when I was like 10 years old and I went to Disney and I, (laughs) it's going to sound ridiculous, but I was watching like some of the old guys like drive the bus in Orlando and like 10 year old me was like, I'm going to do that when I grow up. (laughs) I always wanted to come back to Florida because it was, you know, compared to, you know, snowy Boston, which is around the time I visited Disney way back when it was this paradise. It was sunny and filled with palm trees. And it was just this like weird place because I didn't really visit other states around that time. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was just this little paradise place. I was like, people live here. Like, this is crazy. Um, And now fast forward to, two years ago when I moved here, I went uh, on vacation with my wife for our anniversary. And we were considering uh, Austin, Texas or Tampa, Florida. So we wanted to visit Tampa first. And it was just gorgeous here. The, you know, the Hillsborough River that runs through the downtown and all the festivities that were going off that weekend to, um, you know, just seeing all the palm trees and the weather and like 20 minutes from my house, there's like jet skis and parasailing. And then an hour from my house, there's Disney. And it's like, oh, this is really nice compared to Arlington where I was living. Like, this is so much more. And just the cost of living is so much less expensive, too. And Florida's huge. There's so much to do. There's so many cities like we were bouncing ideas from living in Tampa or, or you know, living in Miami or Orlando. So Um, obviously Massachusetts is a little bit smaller compared to Florida, but there's just, uh, it was a really expansive opportunity. And we previously lived in Los Angeles for a few months and that's a whole other story for another day, but we loved the weather. We loved the culture. We loved the opportunity and it was really great. Right now I currently live in Ybor, uh, VM Ybor, which is a really historic part of Tampa, also known as, uh, Cigar City. 
due to the rich cigar manufacturing industry. Um, that's you know still pretty big today. There's still a lot of shops around there, but yeah. it's a it's a really nice historic area. So there's still you know roots of Boston, the history there that ties into Tampa, which is really really nice. Interesting. Yeah, it seems like you guys obviously thought about it a lot, and and you had a spouse with you. So it's a little, let me tell you, we didn't think about it a lot. We literally, we, we were thinking when we were on vacation, close your eyes and threw a dart. We were, we were literally like, do we have to go back? Like, could we do that? We were looking on Craigslist, like 11 o'clock and I'm like, could we stay here? Could we just not go back? So, um, I ended up actually coming up here uh, on my own for a few months while I was scouting out different locations. Um, so I moved up here first and my wife followed me with our cats so no, the, the decision was split second overnight and okay. we started the transition moving up here within one month of that anniversary. So we did not put much thought into it, but fortunately <laughs> it paid off. <laughs> I love that, Pat. That's fantastic. Yeah, that, that's just how we do, how we do in this family. <laughs> now, before we wrap up today, what is one takeaway you want listeners to leave with today? Oh, that's a fun question. And I did think about it a little bit. I just, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. I just don't be afraid to pivot, right? Mm -hmm. Like pivoting is beautiful. It's really scary. But I think that all the best growth in your life happens when you make, when you're a little bit scared, when you're out of your comfort zone. And so if you are in a career that you feel unfulfilled in and you see a path forward into another one, don't be too afraid to just jump over. You're, you know, you're younger than you think. And it's never too late to start. I know plenty of people who switched careers, like you said, at 40, 50, 60 years old. Mm -hmm. I went to school with a lot of them. They're doing great. They're starting businesses. They're, you know, making money. It's not all about getting your perfect nine to five. Sometimes, you know, you want to be a freelancer. Sometimes you want to be independent. And there are paths out there for you. So don't be afraid to pivot. I think the big take. Yeah, life is not a straight line by any means. Do not treat it as such. Like, just go do whatever you want to do. If that's... I'm not even going to name something because there's so many things that come into my mind, but if there's something out there that you want to try and experiment with it, go for it, try it out, test it out, see if it works. Cause you do not want to regret that decision um, down the line when you can't really do it anymore. So before we end the show today, Alan, where can people find you online? So my Twitter slash X account is a Ibrahim MKT, I B R A H I M. A. Ibrahim MKT. My main podcasts are Talking Marketing, which you can find at AMA Boston and Chats, a television podcast. That's C-H-A-T-Z colon, a television podcast, which you can find at chatspod.com. Awesome. We will include that in the show notes. Well, Alan, it was great having you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Brands Over Brews. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me and it helps others discover the show. You can get a transcribed copy of each episode delivered to your inbox each week by joining our email list at brandsoverbrews.com. If you're interested in joining the show as a guest or want to become one of our valued partners, visit brandsoverbrews.com contact. If you have any thoughts, questions, or want to connect, you can reach out to me on X at Pat B. Cooper. See you next time.